0: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, Saints and Ain'ts, and welcome to Lactic Acid. I'm your host, Dominique Smith. As always, I want to thank each and every one of you for your continued support. It has been a fun journey, and we're just getting started. There's great things ahead for this channel but do me a quick favor before we get into today's episode go on fanhubtf.com that's where you can find me that's where you can find former guests on the show you can find olympic athletes former olympians it is the new one-stop shop for track and field you're going to find high school track and field there, college track and field professional track and field financial advice just so many different things from so many legends trust me trust me you do not want to miss out on that today's episode is a special one it is national graphic design day and one of the people who i've always said you know lactic acid is not just one person obviously i'm running things but i couldn't do it without great people behind the scenes and one of those incredible people happens to be my friend Catherine Burgess and she comes on the show just to talk a little graphic design and kind of her process which is something you don't want to miss she talks about how she uses the scientific method um, to help her you know in her process of designing we talk about lactic acid and kind of the idea about that. And we talk some other fun topics as well. She gives insight on some of the issues and how they can be solved. And it's one that you don't want to miss, but do me another favor. Follow me on Instagram, lactic acid podcast on Twitter, lactic acid, underscore pod, TikTok, Y'all we still going strong and by still going strong i've only posted one video and i posted it wrong i don't know how to use it you gen z people is it gen z or gen yes gen z help a brother out i think it's gen z but whatever People who are younger than me who know how to use it, help a brother out, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, But follow me there, Lactic Acid Podcast. And then you can also check out the YouTube page, Lactic Acid with Dominique Smith. There's some pretty cool episodes on YouTube that did not make it over um, to the audio side. So be sure to check that out. As always, god bless you guys oh forgot one thing if you're interested in sponsoring this podcast shoot me an email at lactic acid podcast at gmail.com and i will be looking forward to working with you and another thing nurses week national nurses week is coming up it is a big week that we are celebrating here and some of the finest nurses in this great country of ours who happen to do a little running on the side and by a little running they're running a lot more than i ever have and they're doing big things <laughs> and running you're going to get a chance to hear some of their stories so be sure to check that out now is time for the show <music> What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, Sinks and Inks, and welcome to Lactic Acid, the podcast where the takes are fresh, the ideas are ripe, and that makes us the best in the bunch. I am your host, Dominic Smith, and today is a very special day. It is National Graphic Design Day. Shout out to all of the graphic designers across the world and creative designers that do such an amazing job. As someone who is not creative, I definitely appreciate you. And today's guest is none other than Miss Catherine Burgess. And Catherine is a big deal, and I'm gonna tell you why in just a second. But Catherine, thank you for taking time out of your busy life to come on Lactic Acid. How are you doing, my friend?
1: I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me, Don.
0: Of course, of course. So, as with every guest, I have to ask you this question. You are no exception to the rule. If you had to pick a superhero, and I'll be nice a superhero or any television character to describe you as a graphic designer who are you rolling with
1: I'm genuinely like really bad at these things
0: <laughs> <laughs> so okay so hmm. I'll be I'll, I'm going to switch it up how about this I'll switch it up how about
1: music? Oh, okay, actually that's much easier for me. Okay, um, so let me I've let always, me sp- uh, Um I've always loved like indie punk and rock music more. Um in the most um like bands like Mendingers, um The Front Bottoms, um The Strokes. Uh just like bands like that. I've always loved them so much. I just think like they have a very like raw authentic kind of approach to music it, it like like the lyrics just connect and hit home better I think it, and it like feels like like your everyday life whereas like a lot of the pop music although some of it's very catchy and I like it and I definitely play it on repeat a ton but it's just like I don't relate to a lot of the songs that are about like being famous or wanting to be a pop star or like the other stuff like that you know yeah I like the kind of like everyday life music that's just it's not even romanticizing the everyday life it's just finding like the small little things and the nice qualities about the small little things in life
0: it's Whether it's close it's, love, yeah, go
1: ahead.
0: it's it's closer to reality Definitely
1: like, for sure.
0: like it's not you can't relate to I mean I guess some people who listen to country music you know, can relate to heartbreak, but I don't really listen to a lot of country music, but I know some of the songs that they're saying, you know, about the dirt road and stuff like that. Chances are, you know, a lot of the people that enjoy it, you know, they probably have never driven on a dirt road um, <laughs> and know what that country lifestyle is about. Did you say one of the bands, what are they, the fun suckers or the fun dingers or what are they called?
1: <laughs> The front bottoms.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, well, I thought. Oh, wow. Okay. I told Catherine before the show I am battling a little bit of a sinus infection, and clearly that has like penetrated my brain because I could have sworn I heard Fun Suckers or something like that. I was like, "What kind of a band is that?" But yeah, no, that I. Fun, I guess. I, I mean, that would be a catchy name for a band. So, I mean, I can't. I don't know I have to write that down (laughs) Um, just in case I feel musically inclined one day, but no, I do appreciate that answer. You being from Pittsburgh, blue collar town, um, you know, you, you know what it is and you have an affinity for good music. Uh, The names sound pretty good, but yeah, that was a, a very, very cultural answer. And we're going to forget about the L that I just caught. Um, (laughs) Since I, messed up that name. But like I said, it is National Graphic Design Day. That's when this episode will be released. And why it's a big deal that Catherine is on the show, obviously. So this um, episode, if you're listening, obviously on Apple and Spotify and all of that, first and foremost, thank you. Um, on YouTube, we're not doing video tonight, but you've seen the previous episodes and you've seen the designs uh, for lactic acid. If you follow us on Instagram, um, you have, you know, seen, I've posted the pictures, posted some of the different stickers, needless to say that lactic acid, uh, was birthed on an airplane. Shout out to the Lord for that. But there are people who have, I've been blessed to meet, to know that played a huge part in it. When this and Catherine is one of those, uh, she's created the graphics, uh, I want to say like June makes a year, June or July, because you did the first graphic uh, when I was at my other job and then lactic acid. So, yeah, so
1: I think it, it lactic, did lactic acid launch before or after um, pre-
0: lactic acid launched after pre so I remember okay. i texted you like two weeks
1: okay so pre was august so then it was sometime in the fall that lactic acid must have launched
0: first episode launched in November um and then i think I put it out in October i forgot when you started teasing it i should have wrote it down but you know <laughs> it, it's it's it was it it was in the fall that's all you need to know um uh, it was in yeah, the that's fall a oh what were you saying
1: yeah time is just a strange thing life like has flown by so fast like i can't believe it's been like over nine months ago since we were all at um eugene for the pre-Fontaine classic oh time's God. weird
0: it is like we're recording this in uh we're in early april and i text a friend of mine today is her birthday and i text her happy birthday and i didn't know it was april like I totally even forgot that we discussed that we were doing this in April. I was like, I thought it was still March, Um, which is strange. And even this morning uh, the nurse was like, Oh, your birthday is next Thursday. I was like, for real? And stuff like that. So yeah, time is like flying by. It's insane. But yes, Catherine is one of the key uh, members uh, when it comes to the creation of lactic acid. So I want to ask this. So, I when I you know approached you about it um I said be as creative as you want to be how did you get the brilliant idea of a pencil and a banana with the color scheme like that oh, is both, brilliant
1: um they're both yellow and kind of pointy and slim so it's pretty easy to get from one to the other, I think, in my brain. Um, As far as the overall look, uh, you used to work at um, a, I have a column and I did some branding originally uh, months before we ever worked on Lactic acid together. I did some branding for that column that you worked on and we kind of had like a bodega kind of inspiration and theme to it. Um, It was called uh, Two Piece and a Biscuit, correct?
0: Correct, yep.
1: Yeah um so whenever and so for that we it was you um giving like highlights about college football um and correct me if I'm wrong about that but with it we kind of wanted to have like kind of like an authentic like southern football approach meets like bodega um it just feels like you're getting your like scoop on the street like you're like talking to like like the guy in your hometown who just knows everything super on top of it super just knowledgeable and has so many interesting stories about the sport always could tell you what's new and fresh going on in uh college football so we kind of wanted to bring back to it and then whenever we were thinking about lactic acid because you already had the name so with that I was kind of thinking like a fruit already just with um, lactic acid isn't something that's in fruit but it just feels like I think it just might be like citric acid I think which is something in a lot of the fruits um <laughs> and then like thinking of kind of the bodega vibe I'm like could we go more of like continuing in that because I think the like aesthetic fit your personal brand really well so I was wondering if we could stay with that and possibly like play with fruit stickers and like the pencil and the banana made sense combining and merging them and it was just kind of like a really like like nice clever little idea that i thought had a lot of potential for like a strong like kind of like charming memorable brand um, and sometimes like I'll have ideas and the first idea or a couple ideas that I have are just absolute garbage. And I'm like, nope, scrap that. Um, we can't make a correlation there. Let's do something totally different. Um, let's redefine the problem and look elsewhere. But for that case, like the first idea that came to my head, I think worked out pretty well. And I'm like, yeah, I want to go forth with this. And whenever I talk to you about it, you seemed really excited as well. So, uh. After like figuring out everything that we wanted to do, I started designing and then it really like started coming together. And I think we had a winning idea.
0: It is insane because oh, my Mount Rushmore fruits bananas is like up there. So I was like, okay, this is this is pretty dope. Like, I like this. Plus, the lactic acid thing, at least from what I remember, you know, they used to give us bananas um like to help like the sit, I don't know. it was it was a fruit that's good for lactic acid or whatever the case might be.
1: Yeah, so it is. And that was another and- thing that we were talking about whenever we made it originally. like at a lot of like different like sporting events and like running and track practice, like bananas are often like a free, easy thing to give people to recover.
0: Yeah. So it's like, ah, man, like this is like a match made in graphic design slash creative design heaven. Um, And so in the stickers, like I've, and we'll be, we're doing um some brand identity sort of remodeling on lactic acid that uh, Catherine is helping me with. Um, but she had like these incredible stickers, like I remember like great news, which is like, Oh my gosh. And then there's a picture of, I think it's a blueberry mimicking a shot put or something like that, which is my personal favorite. Um, there's say yes to hurdles, which the hurdlers seem to have, you know, a, a liking for, um, there were so many things that came from it. And, uh, <laughs> I kind of look back and laugh because the first one was two pieces of the biscuit. And yeah, you, you hit it right on the head. As far as what I did, you know, just being a recruiting analyst and all of that, but it was like, we went from like fried chicken and cholesterol clogging, you know, substance to like eat your fruits and veggies and stuff. So, uh, Hey, I was with it and it's definitely paid dividends and it's something I'm truly grateful for. But I want to know. The people want to know. So, how did you get into graphic design? What was it that I don't know? People say I know for pastors. You know they have the calling. But when did you know that you wanted to be a graphic design graphic designer?
1: Um, originally when I went to college, I studied um, English in science education at the middle school level i was getting my certification and i completed four semesters like over um what like over 60 credits worth of classes i was halfway through my degree uh every summer i worked as like a senior camp counselor and was like counselor of the year and had top marks with all my like teachers that i work under because the university I went to made sure that we were getting into the classroom as underclassmen like teaching kids you didn't have to wait to student senior year to start student teaching so originally I was fully into um teaching and that's what I was going to do and then whenever I was a sophomore we had a freshman join the team and she was paired to be my roommate sophomore year um because first year in college it just didn't match up I didn't have a roommate that was on the team so whenever I was a sophomore and we had a freshman coming in I got to room with somebody on the team finally um, and she just happened to be a graphic design major um and I kind of like saw what her major was and what she was doing and I remember hearing about it in high school my art teacher um thought that I should go into it but I came from like a small town um like I was raised by a coal miner uh like absolutely loved my like upbringing it was like just like really fun like charming like not completely country but like kind of small town vibes i think it was wonderful but like part of it was that there really wasn't an art or creative scene where I grew up I didn't know anybody besides my high school art teacher that worked in the creative industry so whenever she she told me about it I had no idea of how to like conceptualize even what that meant I didn't know what they would do like day in day out for their job my parents also didn't think it was a good idea um it's like what what, do you, what would you be doing? And I'm like, I don't I don't know. I don't know what, I, what you do for a living if you have a graphic design degree. And you looked it up and it's like, you work in an agency. And I'm like, I don't know what this means. So uh, it was just like, yeah, no, this isn't the answer. So I didn't go into it originally. I went into teaching and I liked it a lot. I was really good at it. Um, I liked working with kids. I liked lesson planning. Um, and then in hindsight, the reason I liked lesson planning was because I liked creating engaging content for the kids that I was teaching. I wanted to make the lessons really memorable and find a fun and engaging way for them to um, retain this information and actually apply it and use it in their life. Um, So there's like definitely parallels of where I saw certain strong suits like leading me like, oh, actually I can do this kind of thing. Um, So yeah, I was dreaming with uh, my, college roommate Jackie and after just a year of kind of seeing what she was doing like for like her different homework projects that she would bring into her dorm room and everything I finally just caved in and I'm like what even is your major like can you explain (laughs) it to me and she explained it really thoroughly and well um and it was just kind of like oh I actually do think I want to do that um and she was basically like talking about how like working as a graphic designer like it's a commercialized form of art most people whenever they think of like working in the creative world like as a visual designer like it's like oh you're like a fine artist or like you can make whatever you want or like you're going to be a starving artist or something like that and it's like well no um working <laughs> as a graphic designer is a uh, um like commercialized form of art and it's kind of like think of like marketing a lot of people can wrap their head on what around what marketing is kind of so you're creating graphics and design that are very marketable and companies can use and everybody uses it like everywhere you are like pay attention like magazines there's editorial design there's web design there's branding there's social media content creation like there's so many different things where design appears and like for a lot of those things, it's like specialized trained graphic designers who are the ones that are creating those things. And it's not just what looks pleasing to your eye, it's instead a science why you're making the decisions that you're making. Um so what you do is you figure out what the problem is that you want to solve for and you kind of redefine the problem and set all these new parameters and figure out, okay, what's the end goal? Who's the audience? Who's this intended for? What are they trying to do and achieve? And with that, all that information, it's kind of like a scientific process and you can use it all and be like, oh well, if I design it and make it look this way I can achieve those things and then you kind of get to put the design out in the world and test to see if your theory is correct and I did like a lot of science because I was a science teacher so I did a lot of like science hypothesis and all those studies so like I often like equated it to like oh this is like a science kind of I get to test my theory if it's correct and if like this is meeting its target so whenever I found out that design wasn't just making pretty things. It was instead very analytical and there is the science behind it. I was fully hooked and it's like, that's all I need to hear. I, this makes sense to me now, I'm ready to go fully into it. So I started my junior year of college as a completely new major and I never looked back.
0: That is, that is amazing. So I didn't know that you were training to be a teacher and that you did teach science as a part of your major, um, correct? Let me make sure I heard yeah, that
1: right. Yeah, I had a concentration in science and English.
0: What amaz- What amazes me is that you use what is it called the scientific method
1: yes. to
0: <laughs> to break down to confirm that you wanted to do this. That is that should be put in a science magazine somewhere. Like science works. Essentially. Um, so you've, you wanted to be a teacher, you learned more about graphic designing. Since honestly, I want to ask this the right way. Has it been what you thought it was, or even better? Has it exceeded whatever expectations that you had once you fully realized this is what you wanted to do?
1: It's definitely exceeded my expectations. Um, as far as what those expectations expectations were I still had no idea when I got started I had no idea what I was going to do or what my end goal was or what I like because there's so many different things that you could design technically and so many different specialties that you could get into I had no idea what my life was going to look like Um, whereas if I stayed a teacher I knew exactly what my life was going to look like and I knew exactly kind of what my expectations were so I didn't really know what to expect, but the more I've been finding out about it, the more I've been pleasantly surprised. And a lot of the things that seemed like super scary at first I realized were just misconceptions. Um, Like some of the biggest misconceptions, a lot of people think that you have to like be perfect at everything if you wanna make it. Like you have to be really good at drawing and like illustrating and be good at making logos and you have to make websites and you have to code and you have to like all these different things and that's completely opposite from the truth. There's a lot of things I don't know how to do, which is perfectly fine because I get to work and collaborate with other creatives who can like bring that skill set to the table. Like it's very unrealistic to expect somebody to do everything. So that was really reassuring to know that I could like kind of zero in in my niche and do what I do well and learn some other stuff along the way. But I can get started without being perfect at everything.
0: So... I'm going to come back to the question that I had, but you said something interesting that I've noticed about kind of the creative field. And, you know, we are creative designers in our own way, you know, journalism, photojournalism, graphic design, um, audio and visual, you know, journalist and, and stuff like that. But I've noticed a lot more of these jobs that are hiring you have to be efficient in everything like (laughs) photo like like and then one of the problems is they only pay you for like the job that is offered even though you're doing the job of like an entire department essentially why do you think that's the mindset because i even was kind of nervous like even coming out of college you know i remember in college, you know, doing sports editing and it was like, okay, I I need to know how to do this, this, this. I need to know everything about, you know, track and field and, you know, covering the meets and there's some meets, you know, events I'm not proficient in. And somebody, you know, told me, I got this great piece of advice that I remember, you know, to this day, it's like, listen, it's all good to ask questions, (laughs) you know, let somebody else be the expert and tell you, but why do you think there's this, you know, push? for people to have to know everything, especially in the creative field.
1: Yeah, no, I remember graduating and seeing all the same job posts. It was kind of like crazy and alarming to see. And there's several different reasons. I think it depends on like who's hiring and what like the intention is, what matters the most, I think. Um, So like there are definitely some places where they just genuinely don't care that much about create. The creative field and they just need somebody in that slot so they want somebody as fresh out of college because that's when you could get people the cheapest when they're fresh out of college um they also assume that oh they're young they know how to use social media because they're young and because of that that's directly impacted the social media industry as being a worker for like the past decade it's been kind of historically very female-led and very low pay and very entry-level as far as a lot of the job openings were because people weren't taking it seriously. Companies knew that they needed a social media account, but they weren't taking it seriously. Um, They weren't investing and mentoring properly into it. They weren't paying properly for the skill set and demand and value that it was bringing to their company. And because of it, a lot of companies lost out drastically because companies that did choose to invest properly into it and take it very seriously and make sure that there's like actually a team of people behind it that can fully support it together and balance each other out instead of having one person do everything they've um had re- drastic rewards from it like look at duolingo um duolingo is actually headquartered in my home city of pittsburgh so i don't work there but i know people who work there and they took over like tiktok like they're I think in our city, they're probably, like, the most followed TikTok account in our city, probably. Um, and they've been, been getting tons and tons of press about it. And there's been a ton of bosses in my c- city that are emailing their, like, oh, and the person, sorry, and the person who runs that Duolingo TikTok account, she went to University of Oregon, actually. Um, Zaria, oh. she graduated, I think I'm saying her name correctly, but she graduated, like, only two years ago, like, in 2020. Wow. Um, so, like pandemic graduate um super young but like TikTok I mean not TikTok Duolingo saw potential in her and gave her the proper resources and mentorship and let her to and they trusted her to run the social media account the way that she thought the Gen Z audience would respond to Duolingo best on TikTok and I highly recommend people go check it out and, and like it worked um like within a year like Count had like close to like two and a half million followers um which for like a language learning app that's fantastic um yeah and there's like a ton of companies in my city of Pittsburgh who are like like emailing and like slacking internally into their place like oh we should do that why aren't we doing that I need people to bring us fresh ideas to the table why is nobody and then all the entry-level workers are looking at their boss and it's like, I have been, I did, you shot all of those ideas down. Like you didn't let me do them or trust me to do my job properly, or you didn't let me have the time to do my job properly. I was too like thinned out with all these um, different things to manage. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there will be a shift in some regard. I think there will hopefully be a shift in the near future of companies real- realizing how much value there is in social media. Because a lot of like the creative jobs that require people to be like, just like the MacGyver that's good at everything, you know, um, a yeah. lot of those jobs are yeah. kind of media slash social media based. So it's like, oh, we just need you to have a tiny bit of everything. And I think that companies are starting to see that if you really like put in the effort and do a stellar job that you could benefit greatly, but you just can't expect like, one person to like run it all and shoulder it all themselves you need to give them a proper team proper resources proper pay to do it so that's one side of it um there's other sides of it um there's like sometimes because like there's different like standards of quality when it comes to like what could be a perfectly fine answer to the problem um, so for example the Pittsburgh Track Club is a perfect example of it so I run their social media at the moment um, can I do like really really awesome motion graphics and videography and spend like hours and hours like following them around and filming them and like doing something like uh how like Tin Man and people do I could I just literally don't have the time to do it though like it's just not in the budget that we're working with um, so working with them, it's like we could get really good results Cause like the thing that they have going for them is that the people there are phenomenal. They're hilarious. Like I really recommend people go check out the Pittsburgh track club on Instagram. A lot of our like short little reels that we have are kind of just like little blips and blurbs from the athletes, like everyday life, like them chatting after the workout was over before, like the race starts or something like that. And it's just entertaining. You feel like you're a part of the journey and it takes me like, 20 minutes to edit it together and whenever I was like in college or fresh out of college like I would have never like put something together in 20 minutes and hit publish and been happy with it I would have tore myself up like no you should have like gone completely out of the way to craft a masterpiece and it's like well in, in like kind of getting older and more experience is realizing how to use your resources properly and you don't always need to like sometimes like you could can get away with not always investing like too many resources into something you could still get a good answer which for them it's been a good solution because there's a lot to take on because it's like managing their website and managing their social media and taking photos of them and doing branding for their upcoming race it's a lot to take on so it's like we do have to make strategic decisions here Um, and especially like as a young team as we are we've only been together for like a year now and it's a lot of us pitching in like we all have full-time jobs um we try and like make sure that people get compensated when they're going above and beyond here and there but for the most part it's we all ran together in the same district in high school the whipial the W P I A L. it's in southwest pa um actually matt taylor from tracksmith he's the founder of it he competed in the whipial back in the day (laughs) he's from our area but um no we just like none of us are at the like professional professional level to like technically get fully supported as an in- individual by ourselves but we know that we could come together and make a team that we're super proud of and hopefully we're trying to get to the point where a team could get a little bit of funding and have like a sponsor because right now we're technically an unsponsored sub elite um And so we're trying to make sure that we're being strategic with balancing training, with balancing our full-time jobs, um, with balancing actually making sure that we're having, like, quality, like, practices and, like, like, memories and also engaging the community because our community outreach is a huge part of what we do. Like, so how things appear on social media technically isn't the most important thing in the world. It's actually the quality of the people experiencing it how they feel about it we want to make sure that like the community runners are having a great time because that's what matters not what the social media feed looks like so when it comes to like it feeling like some things aren't getting the attention that they deserve sometimes it's because at the end of the day they really don't need that much attention
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um like if that makes sense
0: no it does No, I definitely got it. No, and I definitely appreciate that answer because it definitely covers kind of the question that I was asking. So you are, (laughs) I said this to you over the phone a couple weeks ago, like you have such a unique style because you're like an old school blue collar from Pittsburgh, as you were saying. Um, And it's kind of funny, some of the things that, like I can relate to that we probably can't say on this podcast, like how you deal with injury and things like that um it's just kind of like how you deal with it and you you know kind of talked about you know maybe where you're from maybe being a graphic designer you know is not the move at least at the time being obviously you're you know you're changing the game where that's concerned where did your creative mind come from
1: um i think just like being very resourceful as a kid Um, like, my dad has a garage that's filled with all kind of, like, tools and everything, and he would let me, like, play with scrap pieces of wood and, like, nail and hammer them together, and we had, like, an alley out back that if he washed the car, like, we could make, like, my siblings and I could, like, make a little, like, tiny little wooden boat raft, which was basically a piece of wood with, like, a twig nailed into it, and then, like, a scrap of a rag added onto it. It wasn't anything impressive, but, like... It was just, like, like stuff like that, but constantly. And it was just, like, being very resourceful, kind of, with what you had. And also just sort of, like, an appreciation with history, like, being in southwest Pennsylvania. Like, I, I don't, like, care that much about, like, Civil War history or any of that kind of stuff, for sure. I don't really <laughs> find that interesting. I just find what I find interesting about history is, like, that it does shape The present day so like in college and in high school i took a lot of art history classes um i think like i had close to 21 credits that were solely dedicated to art history and art theory um it was really interesting and it was like cool connecting like because it's not like the it it, like history it's not just like names and dates and battles and that kind of stuff that shapes how histories change but it's like what's going on in society and understanding like the societal changes is I think a much easier way to process like the ebbs and flows of how kind of like humanity acts and seeing like just different reminders of it like constantly throughout where you're growing up I think keeps you very like attuned to uh, oh yeah like things were different and why um like the house I grew up in is a hundred and 20 years old 130 years old at the moment um it just has so many unique it just has like a lot of unique character that you're not going to see elsewhere and same thing like the college town i went into was also a coal patch town just like the town i grew up in and there's so many like different unique things about the university and like the like off-campus housing that i lived in even now i live in pittsburgh um let me look it up. I just like, I was in the basement of my apartment building in the city. And I noticed there was this like l- little door that looked like the like metal latch door for coal to like, you know, like heat the place up with coal. Yeah. And I sent the picture for yeah. my dad. I'm like, is that what it is? That's what it looks like. And then he was looking into it and he's like, no, that's like an incinerator door. And what they would do is that um a lot of places like during a certain era, like if the entire building had like a central chimney in it, sort of like the apartment. So like how we have like central AC and heat nowadays, like back then you can make an apartment building, like kind of sort of all be connected to like this chimney that had these like openings in it that could like go into different rooms and kind of provide some hot air to different rooms. If you're like having a, like something burning down in the basement, it can kind of go up and heat the house, like the whole apartment unit that way. Cause it's like a, seven-floor apartment building but like on the different floors and on my floor as well I live on the first floor it's on the basement if you go up to the fifth floor you see it there's all these like little metal boxes that they're now painted over like just to match the color of like the wall and they're all sealed shut except and I've been like trying to always like wiggle them and I found one that actually does wiggle open I think I've tried every door and only one wiggles open so like they didn't seal it properly and it's the one in the basement on like and if you like move it open there's like this like little three inch gap and you can kind of put something in it so I'm like what is that for like if it looks like it's a because normally those doors are much much bigger so you could put a lot of coal in at a time or firewood or whatever it is that you're using as kindling so I'm right. like why is it tiny um, and my dad was explaining that it's for like like something itty bitty like an incinerator like let's say if you have like scraps of food from your kitchen you could throw that down there kind of um, and I just found that fascinating um, and I like like that we could like kind of problem solve and learn about it because it's like, oh, well, it's too small to put coal and wood into. What's it for? Oh, it's for like food scraps or like paper scraps or stuff like that. Like it's a way to kind of like off put some of the trash. Um, and because of like a uh, clean burning regulations that have passed in like the 70s in Southwest PA, I think they had to shut down and like close off all those doors, but they're still there and you could still see them and see them painted over. And it's just really interesting and like stuff like that made me just really always kind of question and appreciate different things. And just, I think always just sparked curiosity. And I think curiosity can lead lead to creativity.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, you can definitely see it, you know, in all the projects that you do. And so I do have a few more graphic design questions, including some of the uh, campaigns that you worked on and a little bit more about the Pittsburgh Track Club, but I want to talk about your time as a collegiate athlete. You ran, let me make sure I got this right. You told me right before we came on and I was resourceful and I wrote it down, but you ran at the California University of Pennsylvania. Yes. Um, yeah, that was, <laughs> so when I was doing research, it's funny now that you say that, I saw California University and I was like, nah, that's not the right Catherine Burgess, but I should have kept reading because that was actually the college. Um, so tell me about your time as a collegiate athlete, as a runner.
1: Yeah, uh, California University of Pennsylvania, uh, the town, the town of California, PA was named before the state was, um, which I think leads to confusion for a lot of people who hear the name, uh, but yeah. Um, Well, the reason that we have the name is somehow they're connected in a way because like where Southwest PA is, it's like there's this giant river that runs along it. So for a lot of people, if they were migrating west, hitting like Southwest PA or like anywhere like west along that, so like places like Buffalo, Erie, Pittsburgh, stuff like that, we were all kind of like the very very edge of how far west you could possibly get for a long long time until like the gold rush happened in california state so a lot of people um would get we were like one of the camps that would kind of set up like you would make your journey you would hit towns just like our town and that would be one of the very last towns that you'd actually be in until you or just wandering across vast America to finally reach California state and settle there and look for gold. Um, so I forget the, exactly how it came to be, but like the names supposedly were supposed to have like influenced each other or something. I could be wrong about that, but I was found it interesting. Um, but I ran division two. So we were in the PSAC, the Pennsylvania state athletic conference, and I was a walk-on. And when I started, I was just kind of average. Um, But, um, and our team was just kind of filled with a lot of average people, to be honest, but we wanted to be collegiate runners, we wanted to take it very seriously, we, for the most part, like, knew that we're not going to be pros afterwards, but we wanted to give it the best shot and see how far we can go together and just kind of like push ourselves to the edge of what we could do um and it was kind of a lot of synergy which is just kind of bouncing off each other and like spiraling in an upward direction kind of lifting each other up and like having that team and support system like pushed us to like it's not that for the most part a lot of us didn't believe in ourselves because we kind of grew up average like we're none of us were the superstars so it was a bit hard to believe for ourselves, but like us wanting to reach the goal for our teammates so badly is what led us to believe in ourselves some, um, cause it's like, well, I don't know what I can do, but I don't wanna let them down. So I'm gonna get the job done. And we, a lot of us were pleasantly surprised. So we were able to become a uh, nationally ranked collegiate women's division two team for about three-ish years in a row. I think when wow. I was in university there, I was in college for five years total since I had I switched majors, I had to stay a fifth year. But we were super proud of being able to achieve that. And from a, in, like, if you looked at our conference, Um, the people who placed like in the top 40 of the conference and stuff like such as myself and others are colleges high school PRs versus the rest of the high school PRs of the people who are now college runners like if you would like map those out and look at the different plot points from like high school times to now running in college times we were some of the very slowest times when it came to high school times yet we're doing much better keeping up with the other times like in a way like a lot of us were kind of like late bloomers or like peaked later in life and like that's very common for a lot of people and I kind of want that to be like normalized I think too often there's all these like great feats that are achieved by people very very young and early in their career which is wonderful it's amazing like nobody should feel bad about doing that but for a lot of people that's not the case and they're like the reward for their hard work comes much, much later in life. And if that happens to you, it happens to a lot of people as well. But like you, you should still feel proud and celebrate that accomplishment. It's something to be very proud of.
0: I think that having covered, you know, football um, and football recruiting, there's this expectation that, Okay, he's going to come in and you look at like their high school stats and their high school film and stuff like that. Okay, he's a difference maker. We need him now. And so there's no. And I think this is just collegiate athletics and it's kind of dips into professional athletics because you notice in different sports, a coach has two, maybe three years to get a team where everybody wants them to be, which is competing for whatever championship, and even in track and field, you know, I don't, I mean, and that's another story for another day, but there's like, you only have a couple years essentially to get it right. And if you don't, essentially it's time to go look for somebody else or something else, or you're a bust or, you know, you suck and all of that stuff. And I feel like that's a society issue. Um, maybe driven by the fans. I would, or just maybe just the greed of everything. Um, But development is like crucial. Mm
1: -hmm. And some
0: people to your point, it takes time and it's just in everything, you know, you as a graphic designer, as great as you are, like a couple of years from now, you're gonna be beyond the goat status. Like they'll probably have to find another animal. You know, I know as a journalist, it took me, (laughs) you know I didn't get it on the first try. You know, it took me like my senior year, really after college, where I actually felt comfortable and stuff like that. So, yeah, to your point, you know, what you, well, first and foremost, what you had, you know, with your team is just incredible. Um, you know, people who are selflessly, you know, wanting the best for one another. and uh, that results in great success. But yeah, to your point, you know, I think we should normalize development.
1: Um, Definitely. like even as a graphic designer like when i first switched to the major like i was getting c's and b's on projects like it didn't come naturally it was it's definitely like it's not just a talent thing it's something that like it's hard work and it's something that you learn how to do and you have to just be willing to keep like putting in the work day in and day out and even like upperclassmen years starting internships I wasn't working the best internships in the city I was just working whatever internship I could find and getting hired out of college I still didn't have like the best jobs in the city like for an entry level hire like I was just happy to get hired anywhere kind of thing like it was like like a long time coming for a lot of different things um but you don't have to like get success while you're still in college or right out of college like success is much more (laughs) realistic to come in your mid to late 20s than it is in your early 20s i think but a lot of people as a society like viewing especially like things on social media and what's put out by the entertainment industry, it feels like you kind of have to accomplish something by your teenage or early 20s. Um, and that's just not realistic, I think, for what actually happens.
0: So what was it about track? Obviously, working in, you know, the running area for, you know, doing graphics with running, I know at your previous company, you, um, you know, did a variety of things. But you know, am I wrong to say that kind of your heart is with the running scene?
1: Oh, can you say that last bit again? I didn't hear oh, you. Oh,
0: no, you're fine. I said, am I wrong to say kind of like your heart or your purpose is, you know, with running, you know, as a graphic designer?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, at the end of the day, it's just the people. Like, I just absolutely loved working with um the past uh, clients that I've had in the past and the clients that I'm working with now, just the people are phenomenal. Um, And like, that's what keeps the interest and kind of passion and spark alive a lot is getting to continue to work and collaborate with them. Um, It's not necessarily the track world in general, um, but the people I get to work with and also the athletes that I've met and have got to work with. And I love following along their journey and cheering for them. I'm very much a fan of track and field um, as like, I'm a fan of being a graphic designer. Um, So there's just a lot of passion and interest in it. However, um, getting started in my career, there really wasn't a lot of opportunities within it to pursue. So I kind of had to start out like being more of a traditional graphic designer, which for my city of Pittsburgh, working in something like, we have a vastly large like tech healthcare, um, like robotics, Like, like Pittsburgh has a Google headquarters, a lot of people don't know that like it's a very smart city in a way when it comes to like tech and computer science and healthcare, and like all that cutting edge stuff it's incredibly cutting edge when it comes to those things so there's a lot of design opportunities for jobs in those industries. So that's where I got started sort of as a graphic designer for the first couple of years. And I don't regret it. I think it was needed um, for where I was geographical for my region. um, I got myself to one of the best agency jobs that I could find in the region. And like getting, because there's so much like, of like looking at like ballet like it seems simple but like it you no know, it takes like years and years and years of practice in mentorship and ballet to get to the level where you could be like a professional ballerina and i that's the closest like analogy i could think it's for graphic design because it like you do have to kind of perfect your craft a little bit if right. you want to be able to because you're going to be given like a brief by the client and they're not going to tell you what the end goal is that's up for you to decide and interpret and for you to be able to perfect your craft to kind of learn how to interpret that and how to do the design work and how to like meet all like the target demands and everything like that takes a lot of mentorship um to achieve so like I highly like I work full-time as a freelancer now but I worked professionally um under amazing senior art directors and creative directors for the first like two and a half, three a half, three-ish years of my career. Um, and I highly suggest people do that before attempting to go freelance. I think you're going to have a lot more success in the graphic design industry if you're learning from amazing creative directors. Um, but then whenever I had the opportunity, so at work, I was doing that as my day job, but then I like do fun projects just with my friends in the track and field world. And, um, it sort of just started out as small projects and then like that kind of got the ball rolling rather quickly. I was genuinely, genuinely surprised and I was able to land bigger projects and work with like really amazing kind of prestigious clients. And that's whenever I was able to go freelance um, after kind of like a year-ish of um, doing both freelance and working full-time together.
0: Do you think that, and we're going to get into uh, some of your work and pretty much after this question but do you think that the work in the projects that you've done in your opinion how do you think is elevated the sport of running you know, just track and field in general
1: yeah um I mean like impact wise I think like the keeping track project that I did with Molly Huddle probably had the actual most impact. Um, It was uh, looking at the like it was a campaign focusing on women's sports coverage in the media because something like women's sports only getting around four to five percent of media coverage has been the the same exact stat since the 80s which is whenever they've very first started tracking like women's sports and the media coverage it was getting and i think it actually was getting closer to five percent in the 80s and then it dropped down to four percent in like just a few years ago um i think just this like past year it finally like rose like higher for the first time in several decades i don't know what it is exactly but um like it was just like shocking that like it seemed like people weren't investing into women's sports and there was all this misinformation about why they won't succeed or why they're not profitable or all those different things. And it was just a shame. And so I just, I never heard of that stat actually until I started watching, keeping track or listening to what I should say. Um, so, and I just remember thinking, hearing that only 4% of national sports media coverage is about women's sports. I remember thinking that 4% just seems like so astronomically low and it's like, I would know that, right? Like, (laughs) like I know women don't get a lot of coverage, but like, is it really 4%? Like, I feel like I would notice that if it was that sparse. And then one thing that I realized was, okay, well, social media, actually, like I'm not getting most of my news from newspapers or like websites. I'm getting most of my sports news from social media, which the algorithm is tailored to me, which I like women's sports and have an interest into it. So my algorithm gives me a lot of women's sports content. As the same thing with a lot of other people that I know, even men, like, there's a lot of people who are supporters of women's sports. So I think for a while, a lot of us, it was going over our head how big the gap was, or how big the issue was, because our algorithm was making it seem like there was actually a lot of women's sports content. And it's like, I see so many amazing female stories. Like, why are female athletes being paid so little? Like, it seems like they're being covered out there, and it's like, well, no, no, no. Holistically, look at all these different things, and there's direct causes uh, or there's direct things that are causing this effect to happen, such as X, Y, and Z. And just the more like looking into it, just the crazier it was getting, and like the more eye opening how bad the issue still was, was getting. Because I think a lot of us wanted to be like it's 2019, it's 2020, like, like back then. Um, Like, sexism, it's not completely perfect, but like, it's so good nowadays. And then just like looking more into it, it's like, oh, no, this is actually kind of terrible. Yeah. So I, bought a uh issue of the new york times and i'm like i wonder what the front page of the sports section looks like and then i opened it up and out of the entire page there was this tiny little two inch box up at the very top that talked about serena williams and that was it the rest of it was men's coverage so seeing that i was like oh that four percent stat that's actually correct um but like that was because like i paid attention to it because technically, when I looked at the newspaper, I saw sports. I'm like, look at all the sports content. There's so much content here. like, And it was kind of hard to grasp that. Only this tiny little like, one by two inch square was women's sports and the rest was men. Like, It was all kind of getting jumbled together and like almost being a distraction. So that's why I exacted out any of the men's coverage. Because I wanted to see truly how little of women's sports was remaining. And I thought that seems like the only way to actually visualize properly what 4% looks like. Um, So I did the project for uh, about seven days straight and it kind of blew up on social media. I was posting it once a day, every day I did it. And I didn't know what it was going to look like because I did it like live, like day after day. I didn't know what the week was going to look like. Maybe the first day was super low coverage, but then the next six days were going to be high women's sports coverage. And it like would have, the the national average would have still been the same, but like, it's, it would have made it look like, oh, well, at least New York Times is like a good supporter or something, you know, but no, I think for that week, like women only had about like maybe 20 to 22% of coverage and then, and men had the rest of the coverage. And then I tried it again, a few months later, I tried it for a solid 25 days in a row just to get like a wider, like a plot point. And for that, I think it was actually closer to like four to 7%. I forget which it was, um, but somewhere within that range. So closer to actually what the national average was whenever I took more days and looked at it at a bigger holistic picture. Um, and I think a lot of people seeing that really opened their eyes. And, and I'm not saying that in a way to technically bash the New York Times because they're technically one of the good ones. Yeah. Like, as yeah. far as women's woman's coverage goes, they actually give more than other sources do. Um, and that's why I picked them. I wanted to, like, I did I thought it'd be boring to pick somebody who seemed like wouldn't cover women at all. Like, I thought that would have kind of been me purposely, like, weighing the thing in my favor for the outcome I'm trying to prove my point on. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to pick what I thought would be a very fair coverage source. And even with that, it was still, like, around, like, I don't
0: know, like four to 7%. Wow. I, I remember just kind of, you know, preparing for this, you know, going through it and essentially you have to cut out the whole sports section. Um, you know, unless it, it's something that's, you know, incredibly, you know, like the women's national team, for example, or, you know, whatever the case might be. And so just, I asked this question off the top of my head, How do you think as a creative designer to in terms of how do you think using your platform could help bring awareness to the bigger issue? Because it's still an issue. And especially, you know, you know, in this sport of track and field, all, all sports, really. But just in general, how what are some of the things maybe in your mind that, you know, could be done to fix this from a creative design point of view?
1: Yeah, like it's definitely going to be a giant, giant undertaking. And it's very multifaceted, at least from like a creative perspective. I, because the stat everybody heard was stuff like women only get 4% of media coverage, or they only get 1% of sponsorship dollars, all that kind of stuff. But the stats, the way that they were being represented was with like a bar graph or something like that, or like a pie chart. Like it kind of just stripped away all of the emotion, all of the realness from what was going on. And I was like, okay, I'm a creative. Not only that, at the time I was like specializing working in the advertising industry. It's like, I'm, I work at one of the best advertising agencies in my city. I'm trained to look at problems because the whole point of like advertising is taking a really complex problem and boiling it down to like just one short line almost. It's like, what's the payoff line of the ad? It's short, sweet. So like, how can I do this and get something that's like effective and memorable out of this? So I was kind of taking like a creative slash advertising approach to looking at how to represent this data. So I wasn't looking at it from the sense of how do I represent this the best as a bar graphic or an infographic. Instead I'm like, how do I just represent this concept in general? And for me using real tangible media seemed to be effective. Um, And that's so like using real newspapers. And I don't think that's the only solution, but in general, I think the idea of keeping it like very real and authentic to what's actually happening and making sure that we're not stripping away any of the important like human like humanizing and emotional qualities that it could bring I think it's important to make sure that we keep those intact so that it doesn't lose its emphasis
0: what was it like working obviously you you touched on the Pittsburgh you know track club but your role in that as well as I believe it's the New England track club that you helped um you know get started if I'm correct me if I'm wrong
1: uh yeah, the Southwest New the New England Track Club. I they already existed. Um, and they already had their own logo and everything like that. Um, I didn't work on any of that. They're now the Providence Track Club. They, Providence, uh, Providence. switched names during the pandemic. Um, hi Aaron Dincio. He's a member of it. He's also my former college teammate, and he's the like kind of the person that um like kickstarted a lot of me like working as a designer in the athletic industry that was one of my very first actually that was my first project working in the um like working as a designer in the running community was just like helping out my former teammate Aaron at his new um like elite team that he was on they had a race coming up um molly huddle was on the board of directors for the program at the time and she was helping with the race and everything and it's like yeah i'll like help design some stuff for social media and then i also like help design them a t-shirt and just stuff like that and it was just kind of like pitching in and it's like instead of like somebody on the team that doesn't know how to use (laughs) design software trying to design the t-shirt it's like let me do that i know how to do that (laughs) Um, it was just very simple at the time like it was not anything at all groundbreaking or like drastic but it was just like fun and simple and I think a lot of people like like found it surprisingly charming because uh I think I got paid in gear so I got some Saucony gear for that which I was running hey. shoes were expensive so I loved yes. getting on Saucony gear but um like uh like I think just, just people are used to like not seeing good design all the time like one of the reasons is like um back in the day like several decades ago a lot of the big sponsorship companies like the big shoe contracts they would give a lot of money to your community teams like your local community community teams for them to like have a team that was training together like the elite team um who are technically at like a sub elite kind of be standard level Um, But also for them to put on different community events and to do all these different things. Nowadays, when it comes to those like small slash medium sized teams, they get very, very little funding compared to what they used to get. Like it's like almost impossible to get like small contracts anymore. And because of that, like a lot of things suffer. One, there's like I think a lot of people like are nostalgic to some of the really cool, amazing like old race t-shirts and like race awards the medals from back in the day because they look so cool that's because they had money in general to put on the event and also probably pay a graphic designer whereas nowadays people are trying to put on a race with like almost nothing so like they kind of can't hire a designer a lot of the times so um like a lot of us are trying to figure out how can we approach this and like find a way to make it work so that people are are fairly getting compensated and paid and at least for what we're doing at the Pittsburgh Track Club is we're trying to leverage social media and trying to leverage going with other sponsors that aren't traditional big shoe contract sponsors if we can because they're interested they see that what we're doing in the community and they haven't ruled us out like the big shoe contracts had for whatever reason, which if anybody knows, I would genuinely like to know like what has happened in the past couple decades for the shift to go away.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Definitely. And definitely Pittsburgh track club is something that, you know, is worth paying attention to. I'm just thinking about, it. I watched some of the reels um, from Jacksonville, the recent trip to Jacksonville. You got some some funny people on that team for sure. Oh
1: yes, um, and like they went to us. Like Eurus, the founder, he went to Syracuse. He was there when Syracuse won the 2015 National D1 Championship for cross country. Um, Colin Martin on the team went to Michigan. Alex Archer went to Pitt. Um, like we like um, also Nick Wolk on the team also went to Pitt. Like we have people that are just phenomenal, interesting, funny, like just awesome. Um, And they're just bringing a lot of, like, high-quality, like, elite running to the Pittsburgh community, because right now we're the only elite team in the Pittsburgh area.
0: Wow. Wow, that's definitely something. All right, just two more questions, then we're going to get to some rapid fire. What is it that you love most about being a graphic designer? And I know you touched on it earlier, but just specifically, if you're just recapping – everything you've done, all the projects that you've done, what is it that you love the most about what you do?
1: Um, at the end of the day, like, I feel very blessed to get to do something that I find genuinely extremely fun and interesting, um, like getting to be creative and, and keep pushing that and the people that I get to work and collaborate with, seeing how much they appreciate it and just kind of seeing them light up whenever... Because, like, I'm hoping that I, like, they come to me with their problems. I try to interpret them, apply my scientific design method to it. But it's, like, I want to make sure that I'm not putting, like, words into their mouth whenever I'm telling them, like, this is what your branding is going to be. This is what your team should do. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to hope that I'm, like, I'm understanding them properly. And I'm hoping that I'm showing them something that is exactly what they want and what they need. And whenever... The answer like in whenever I can do that like it's just an awesome feeling I love seeing how happy and excited they are with it and they see the potential and like like they see like professional quality design work attached to the project like it's just like a great feeling
0: what's been your favorite project that you've worked on so far in your young career
1: oh Um, okay top two top two Yeah, no, uh, no, I'm probably gonna have to stay with the Pittsburgh Track Club. I've been working with them for over a year now. And we've worked on a couple of different projects together this summer. We're on July, Saturday, July 4th we're putting on the Night at the Island Track Race which is gonna be our biggest event to date. And like I did all the event graphics for it and there's a ton of more work to do that I've been doing behind the scenes. And we're gonna have um, like a media team covering the track meet as well. Like we're gonna have photographers and like I'm gonna be running social media. It's like, we wanna bring a really fun, fast, like real elite race to the Pittsburgh region. So I just love that project, working with them on everything because I'm proud of the design work that I've done. but. At the end of the day, like design works cool and all but like it's not just designing but also like designing the experience like making sure that people are actually getting something out of it and it's not just something that looks pretty. So I'm really excited with everything that we've been accomplishing as a team and that's probably my favorite project to date
0: last question i know i said this will be the last question or the question prior will be the last question but i have to ask this what is the biggest misconception that you would want changed about your field of work
1: um there's a lot of different ones um i'll i'll go to the one i'll just list super quickly a lot of people think like there's no money to make in it like you're going to be serving artists so they don't get in it and absolutely not like Um, Are there jobs that underpay people? Yes, very sadly. However, um, there are a lot of people, um, myself and a lot of my friends and colleagues who are making a very good living working as creatives. So I want people to know that will be able to pay the bills if you go into this industry because a lot of that seems to be like one of the number one reasons why people don't go into the industry is because they it's like with like running there's a lot of people who think oh if you want to be a runner you have to be okay with not making any money you're just going to do it for the love of the sport and it's like absolutely not there's a way to leverage running to make a living off of it similarly getting into like anything that's art or creative, you don't have to do it for the love of the art and just be okay being poor. <laughs> like that's not the case. Like you can make money. So I think that's a giant misconception that I want people to realize. Um, and then the other misconception that's probably the most predominant is that people think like it's all or nothing talent thing. It's like, I'm not good enough. Like I'm not creative. I'm not gonna make it. And that's not the case. It's like what you are willing to put into it. Um, like there's so many things that like five years ago or something when I first got started, um, I was awful when it came to like, um, like laying out compositions and even like setting, like writing typography type and everything, because I'd have to kind of do like copywriting and writing for my job. That's a big part of like the pitches and all of these different parts. Like I was awful at writing now, like I'm extremely good at writing, but that's only because I took, I had an English concentration. I, um, I think took like a like 5 or 6 different like writing intensive heavy classes that were like constantly like critiquing me and challenging me to learn and do better. And then I got into the real world and I worked at an advertising agency and thank goodness I didn't have to write the copy, but we had copywriters that I would get to collaborate with on projects. Their sole job was being good at writing and writing like amazing copy. And like, I kind of learned through osmosis over two years of working with some of the best copywriters in the city, seeing what good copywriting looked like. And it got to the point where like I'm not gonna win any awards for my writing, but like I'm a lot of people, like I was shocked, like seeing how many people in the creative industry would compliment me, like bring like having a being a decent enough writer in the creative industry. Cause that's something that a lot of creative people struggle with. And they think like, oh, I wish I was good at that. It's so nice that you're like naturally good at it. And it's like, no, I was awful at it. Like it was something I had to work at, but now it's like a sh- strength that I can list that I can have, but it was something that I worked towards. Um, and same with photography. Like, I was awful at photography a couple years ago. Now I'm kind of half decent at it, but like, it was something I worked towards. So it's definitely not like it's not talent, not at all. It's hard work.
0: Hard work pays off. So we have come to the conclusion of our time here, but not without. The segment that you created called "Down the Home Stretch." Oh, that's funny! I get a chance to do a segment that you actually came up with. Um, that is awesome. So, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. I want you to answer them to the best of your ability. If you do not, it's all good. I would say about eight people have actually done pretty well. So, are you ready? Yes. If there was a food that you had to live with, and there was a food that you had to get rid of forever, what would they be?
1: Um, Some kind, Panera calls it a warm bowl. So that's what I'm gonna call it. But it's like, It's a bowl that has like grains and greens in protein, but it's not bland. It has like a lot of seasoning, a lot of spice, a lot of zest, like there's so many different vegetables in it like it's just interesting like i could eat that for forever like it's both very comforting and filling yet also healthy yet also very interesting and delicious like i would eat that for forever if i had to i guess not the one specifically from panera just the concept of that bowl i would eat um getting rid of um i don't like pomegranates
0: Mm. yeah pomegranates have a weird they're just weird okay. in general. Yeah, I don't
1: have like a sink in it. I, don't, I just don't, I don't like it.
0: Uh, So go back. You said it's called a warm bowl?
1: I'm pretty sure that's what they call it. It's new on their menu. Warm oh. bowl.
0: Okay, because I just went there not too long ago. I didn't see anything. The only bowl I saw was a bread bowl <laughs> that they yeah.
1: have.
0: It's but like but one got- of their
1: healthier, newer options. But it, like a lot of people think like, oh, a healthy bowl is just lettuce leaves and nothing else that it's like no you need to add like nuts and like some protein and like good dressing and like healthy fats and like get some avocado and corn and all this other stuff in there like it's delicious
0: okay well I guess I'm one of those people but I will attempt to try it the next time I go there okay if there was a movie made about you who would you want to play your character
1: oh my god um I'm awful at this so I'll just enter it in a different way. Like I want it kind of to be like a Lady Bird movie in a way, like like they're, they're, I, I like movies that feel like very everyday, your average person. Like it's just like the coming of age movie but in a very realistic sense that actually young girls and women can actually see themselves in and relate to, which like I know a lot of men who watch Lady Bird and they're like, I don't get it. This is just like, Typical high school, like I don't see anything special about it. I'm like, that's exactly why it's so special. There's nothing special about it. Uh, They didn't like romanticize the character. Like this is real life. Like that's what I want for the movie to be. I want it to be like real life. I don't want it romanticized because I think romanticizing things, it's good intentions, but it leads to things like imposter syndrome. It leads to people having like fear of missing out, like FOMO. It leads to people feeling like they're not good enough
0: okay so pretty much disney and hallmark can't make the movie
1: yeah they're they're out (laughs) they're gone
0: okay they're gone they're gone all right let's do this okay if there was a dream venue that you wanted to run in where would it be
1: uh i think like some i don't know the actual name i'm gonna say like probably some like little like cottage town in the Netherlands like I want to see all these cute little cottages um and I, I just want to run past all of them I think it'd be very pretty
0: okay what is the most underrated thing to do in Pittsburgh
1: food we have a really lots and lots of really good food we actually have a very large international population in the city because we have universities like uh, Carnegie Mellon University So we have a really where I live, I live, I used to live in Bloomfield and now I live in North Oakland. And there's a um, like for me, the closest grocery stores aren't like Americanized grocery stores. They're like South Korean um, corner markets and Indian grocery stores. So I get most of my groceries from there and I've been like learning how to like cook meals. Um, It's just delicious. I think Pittsburgh has a very good food scene.
0: What's your go-to dish that you've made?
1: Uh, for me, I don't know the actual name of it, but it's just the version of like, it's like these like wide thick flat white rice noodles. Um, Oh, Patsy, that's the name. Um, I've been making that a lot, I love it. Um, and there's also a food truck near Pitts Campus, which is like a half mile from my apartment that I go to a lot. They have like a platter instead of like getting a gyro. Um, I think some people call it gyro. Gyro.
0: I've heard gyro, gyro gyro.
1: Yeah, Pittsburgh calls it like gyro, a lot of like the Polish population of Pittsburgh which is what I am. We call it like gyro a lot. Um which technically is correct because it's an adapted regional term, but um it's probably incorrect. But uh
0: <laughs>
1: um, No, they have instead of like getting it like in the uh like the uh, like the wrap thing um it's like a platter and it has like your meat and like the white yogurt sauce and like all the spices and the rice and like it's just so so good it's like eight dollars for this massive platter that's like good for like probably two full meals um it's amazing i love it
0: oh you can't beat that eight dollars (laughs) for for breakfast lunch and dinner okay i'm down with it
1: yeah it's it's like an entire day's worth of calories shoved on this platter it's (laughs) very good deal for your money. It's very deli- like it tastes authentic. It's so good.
0: Cost efficient. I like it. I like it. If you had to be placed on a Food Network show, what would it be? Which one would it be?
1: I like Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dines the most. Yes. I just want to like go to different place, like all the amazing places around Pittsburgh. I just want to hit up the all the different places, try the different food, have them explain it to us and cook it. Like that's what I want to be on.
0: And you get to eat it for free. Yeah. that I'm so happy you said that. Everybody says chopped on here, but I'm I'm Triple D Friday night. Guess what? That's what I will be watching. Oh, man. Okay. A couple more questions. Dream vacation spot.
1: World 2022.
0: (laughs) Hashtag make it back to Hayward.
1: (laughs) I cannot wait. I'm actually going to be out there. I got, I'm going to, I'm going out to Eugene for three months. I rented a room. The only issue is so I rented a room from a really sweet, she's like a Jewish day school teacher. She's retired. I rented a spare room in her condo that's like two miles off of um, Hayward. So really excited for that. The only issue, she emailed me. She's like, yeah, I can give it to you for the whole summer. So I'll be there for like USA's staying with her for um, USA championships in late June. But she's like, there's um one week in late July that um somebody has already rented it and you can't be there. And I'm like, oh my God, it's Worlds, isn't it? And yep, it was. So apparently, so I got it like, I think five months, five or six months out. Like I booked something and that wasn't early enough. Somebody like beat me by a month. It was a male track coach. Oh, me. wow. Yes. I have no idea who it is though. So I'm like texting all my mail coaching friends and I'm like is it you did you take it <laughs> um I've yet to find out who it is I probably won't know I'll see if I can get the answer out of her um one day but um I'll actually be there I just can't be there during Worlds but I'm not leaving the area I think I might camp I feel like I've been talking to people and like there's like the housing is insane there's just not enough housing at Worlds so I think there's going to be a large crowd of us just camping. So that's what I'm going to try and do.
0: Oh, that's. So are you actually going to like be in the stadium or are you just going to be like chilling around?
1: Uh, I did buy tickets. So I got. Oh, um, man. I have because you have to get like either a day pass or a night pass. Sadly, it's not just like the full day.
0: That sucks.
1: So I got the morning pass for day one or two. Yeah. Day two morning pass. I'm pretty sure. Then I got the day six evening pass, I think. And then either, I think day eight, I got a morning pass again. So I'll get to be there for like three of the shifts, if you will. Oh, um, yeah. I'm really bitter that I did not get the, um, the day 10, which is like the, the championship day where like a lot of the finals are wrapping up. Um, I waited too long to buy the ticket. I should have bought it sooner. I bought it five months out and like getting a ticket um, on for like the finals in the night of the very last day, like five months out there also out. So I missed that. I should have got it the moment it went on sale.
0: Oh man. If anyone wants to sponsor lactic acid, you know, (laughs) to to (laughs) go out to uh, Eugene. Oh man, it's, if you, if anyone listening has never been to Eugene, specifically um, out to Hayward, specifically the new hayward
1: Disneyland of track and field i've never been to disneyland but the amount of people out here talk about disneyland and all the attention and detail like this must be what disneyland is like it's amazing
0: well as someone who lives near disney world down here in orlando it's oh, yeah, you yes it is it's disney world when you first go there <laughs> like you know living here and having not been to disney like 10 times you know it, it just makes me sick but when you first go there like oh you know the, the guys win the championship what are you doing oh we're going to Disney World and you go to Magic Kingdom and you see the fireworks and you go to Epcot it is I will say that it it Hayward is Epcot because Epcot is just amazing every time you go uh you know no shame no shade disney love all love peace and grease so last question but yeah uh make sure you check out hayward it's the best thing you'll ever do before uh you depart from this earth okay. <sighs> if you had to pick a different if you weren't a runner what other sport would you do
1: probably volleyball that's what i played uh growing up i had a twin sister and her and i would play volleyball and we're on a travel team for a while Um, And then in the end, I had to give up that sport to focus on running Um, just because running is kind of a year round sport. You kind of need to be able to fully go into it if you want to be a distance runner. But um, if I wasn't running, I'd probably have stayed with volleyball.
0: Catherine, you have completed down the home stretch. I appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on. Appreciate what you do as a graphic designer and what you mean to this show. Where can the people find you?
1: Um, On Instagram, I'm Catherine underscore cart. And that's about it.
0: (laughs) Definitely be sure to check out her work. She does post it on Instagram. and keeps you updated where that's concerned. Again, thank you for coming on the show. Happy National Graphic Design Day and a big shout out to all of the creative designers, graphic designers everywhere. Thank you for what you do, making the world more colorful and obviously a better place for this episode I am Dominique Smith. You know where to find us on Instagram, Lactic Acid Podcast, Twitter, Lactic Acid underscore podcast. I'm still on TikTok for whatever reason. I don't have any intentions of using it, but for my self-confidence, it's Lactic Acid Podcast. Um, you can find me there. Follow the YouTube page, Lactic Acid with Dominique Smith, and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, run all of the major ones. Give a like, give a thumbs up, a nice review. It helps the podcast grow. Thank you for your support. And we will see you next time.